Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Your host here, Oscar Lopez, be joined momentarily with Troy Wilson, as well as Holly Custis, WFA All-Star. Uh, today we have a big show on the Great Iron Blitz, and we are honored to have two legendary quarterbacks on our show today. We will have the legendary quarterback, IWFL back-to-back champion of the Utah Falcons, uh, Louise Bean. She will join us today at 6.30 here in about uh, 25 minutes or so. Then at 7.30, which is uh, Pacific time, and it's going to be about 10.30 Eastern, uh, we will have the three-time gold medalist as well as WFA champion and all-star uh, Sammy Grisafi of the uh, Chicago Force of the WFA as well. So uh, looking forward to both of them and figuring out where they're going to go. Um, I know Luis is – moving on, moving out of the area, as well as probably not going to play football in Utah at this point. So we'll talk to her about that. Uh, Sammy, the same thing, last ride here. Uh, she's uh, obviously going to her music career and everything else. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, in- really interested to see where they're going to move on uh, and, and who the new stars in those leagues is going to be because these are uh, excellent quarterbacks and legendary qu- quarterbacks at that. Uh, especially with Utah and Chicago. So it just says a lot about the sport, the longevity for their careers, and ultimately uh, where they're going to head next in terms of their, um, you know, social aspects of their lives. Um, So we'll talk to the, like I said, uh, Luis Bean of the Utah Falcons, and then we'll dive into the uh, later in the hour, the last half hour of the show, it's going to be Sammy Grisafi, of the Chicago Force and Team USA three-time gold medalist. So uh, let's see, we got Holly. Are you on? Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay, Holly. Welcome. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, coming on. I really appreciate you uh, co-hosting today. I think Troy should be coming on in a couple minutes here. I think he's probably running a little late, so we'll see if he uh, okay. can make it as well. But other than that, it'll be a solo today. So we have. Uh, like I said at the intro here, we got Luis Bean of the Utah Falcons of the IWFL back-to-back champions, and then we're going to have uh, the legendary Sammy Grisafi, of course, of the Chicago Force and Team USA. So uh, who better to have a great show? And today, of all days, uh, I'm honored that obviously we get to talk to both of them. Uh, yes, um, I'm really excited to talk to them. I've played against both of them. Uh, in my career, it's been fun to watch them, um, and I'm excited, like you, to hear what their next plans are for uh, the rest of their their lives. Um, um, but I think when we look back on their careers, they're going to be uh, right up there as uh, stars of of our sport. So I think it's a real big treat to be able to talk to them both at the same time. And, you, and we talk about Sammy in, on Sammy's terms. Uh, she came back for one last ride, Chicago franchise up in the air, just like Boston Renegades was a year ago or mm-hmm. so. So at this point, we don't know if a new team will resurface in the uh, you know Windy City at this point in terms of the WFA. 
Um, so that's still up in the air. So we'll talk to her about that. Maybe she has some insights that she can maybe give us. Um, other than that, they had a great season. They just couldn't beat Boston uh, in the playoffs. And so Boston moves on to the W Bowl against uh, Dallas, and we know what the result there was. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to her about, you know, where she's at. And her music is, um, you know, really, really good. So I don't know where she stands there, but I know she's going to L.A. to Cali, and that's where basically music artists usually go, which is California for for the most part, to get, the, you know, get noticed and get some gigs going. So she's done gigs all over the country. So she's been pretty successful in terms of what she's doing music-wise, too. Uh, definitely. And I've heard her play, and she's really talented. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, like, NFL or NBA guys that will be like, oh, I want to start a, you know, music career. And very few of them are actually any good at it, but Sammy's actually talented. She she's just as good at, at music as she is at being a quarterback. So I'm sure she's going to be successful uh, wherever she ends up. Yeah, she's a she's a great leader. So uh, on and off the field, she's a great person as well. So uh, I've uh, had the privilege to interview her many of times, and so uh, it's been a pleasure every time. And uh, this one will be no different, I think, uh, because like I said, she's always very uh, insightful. Um, Holly, well, well, let's get to the butter here uh, of the big news in terms of the women's football news and notes. Um, Colette Smith was announced prior uh, a while back that she was going to be going with the New York New York Jets as an intern, and all of a sudden we get another bombshell here. Um, obviously, Sam's working pretty hard behind the scenes, and everybody else in, at NFL, uh, you know, at the NFL, and we have announced Callie Bronson and Rachel Hahn of the DC Divas will also be joining her in the. Uh, New York Jets as interns for the summer. We also uh, announced former LFL star and, uh, you know, tackle football sensation, a Mary Rose Roach, who used to be with the Philadelphia passion in the LFL and uh, not to, you know, leave out, obviously Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Sketcher was with uh, Baffer women and she's going to be with Buffalo and then Katie up in San Francisco with your Niners. So um, we're making strides here based on the, uh, the forum and the career forum that, that was set up by Sam looks looks now like things are moving forward. And I think Odessa is going to Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. It's really an exciting time, um, you know, for us um, in our sport. And uh, like I said before, I think by generation, as we start to get to the point where we're going to enter the coaching ranks, I feel like it's going to make uh, – you know, uh, a lot of opportunities for people to come behind us. And I'm really excited um, that I can call a lot of these people making these strides my friends. Um, it's exciting to watch them be able to go to these places. And I tell you what, the forum that, that Sam put on uh, in Orlando, I think it's, it's really paying off. I know that there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes and a lot of people working very hard. Um, and I'd like to, again, acknowledge Sam because they, they've done a good job of not only just putting the forum on, but they've, re, they've maintained contact with everybody, and, and there, there's um, a networking component behind it that they've, act, they've absolutely done a great job with, and I think it's, it's paying off. And so I, I think it's exciting to see each season how many more women are going to be able to get into these positions. So I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the credit has to, like I said, go at the top there because she she made her way from USA Football up to the NFL. So now, 
you know, credibility is right there. Um, and, and bringing in certain players, you're just not throwing just certain, you know, just no-name players. You know what I mean? You are putting yeah. uh, out there, uh, you know, Colette's been in New York a long time. She's been a coach and obviously a former player as well. And she's done a real good job with uh, New York Sharks uh, in the IWFL days as well as now with the WFA. And the ownership there has been really well over time with New York. So, it's a, you know, it's a staple franchise. It's very good. And then you, you bring two players from the Divas. You know, you bring uh, Rachel on and Callie Brunson, uh, two champions, WFA champions, uh, long-tenured DC Divas, you know, uh, veterans. Uh, and then you get Mary Rose Roach. Uh, everybody's seen highlights of her in terms of, you know, her career as well. So um, it's just great to see the fact that, like you're saying, that they're getting the opportunity, number one. But number two, uh, they're going to make a difference, you know, uh, who, which Jets fan doesn't want these folks to try to guide their team to uh, a, a higher state of a playoff or even a Super Bowl? Exactly. And um, you're exactly right that the people that are getting these opportunities uh, have earned uh, respect in our sport and, uh, as players and as coaches. And so it's basically putting our best foot forward. So as these people go out and uh, you know, administrators and coaches can see that, yes, they know the game and they they can not only play it, but they can actually coach it as well. It's just going to validate our sport even more because then their eyes are going to be open to wait. There's a whole bunch of women who actually may know even more than we do. So I think it's a really good opportunity and I'm excited to see. It's I can only see it getting growing exponentially in the next few years here, so it's exciting. Yeah, and the good thing about it also is um, we're not just talking football here, opportunity for each each of these uh, you know individuals. We are talking you know opportunity within a franchise to contribute in different ways beyond football. You know whether it be uh, you know like you said administrative, whether it be some sort of capacity uh, inside the organization. So they bring a lot of to the table beyond the football. Football being the key point, obviously because they've played it and they understand it, but you know, everybody outside of football has, brings other things to the table, so that's a benefit ultimately to the, to the franchise as well. Um, Holly, would you have, uh, I think Troy is on with us. Troy, you on now? I'm here. How's it going, y'all? Hey, Troy. Hello. Thanks for making it. I really appreciate it. Um, Troy, uh, we've just been talking about, we're going to have uh, Luis Bean of Utah Falcons, two-time uh, back-to-back champion of the Utah Falcons IWFL champion, and we already talked about Utah Falcons and their style of football awesome football, so we're going to talk to her. And she's retiring and moving out of Utah. So we'll have her here in probably another 15 minutes. Then we're going to have the legendary Sammy Grisafi at 7.30. So Chicago Force WFA champion, three-time gold medalist of Team USA. So um, I don't know uh, how I did this, but they all came out at the same time, and uh, they're here today. So it's it's kind of exciting. I mean, it's two legends in, in women's football. It's like having Brady and Peyton Manning on the same show. Oh yeah, I mean, and especially with um, you know with the, with her having a swan song out in Utah and, and, and ending it with the championship. I mean, what better way to go out? So I mean, yeah, we're definitely honored to have her here on the show today. So uh, Troy, um, college football is going to uh, start to kick off probably in the next what month or so. Um, I want to get your I want to get your um, input on this. Uh, there was a there was a uh, post out there saying that. Uh, the NCAA was going to allow athletes to, uh, you know, get what they deserve based on compensation if they if they were, a, you know, YouTube superstar 
and get intake from YouTube. So what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a long time coming. I think, um, you know, let's, you know, if, if, it's about time that someone just, you know, had to be honest about what these quote-unquote student-athletes are. And they are working for the university. So, I mean, uh, when it comes down to it, the amount of money that these universities make off of these student-athletes and that these guys are, you know, playing football is it's, it's astronomical. I mean, it's a absolute, it's a billion dollar business, and it's it's not even you know an exaggeration. And so, on one hand, we do understand the argument about yeah, they get the free college, and and you know that you have guys that fall into the pros, but there should be some sort of compensation when you have a windfall of cash that much. I've never seen a system like that where, and then when it's like when people are arguing whether or not it's fair or not, I just can't see it. You know, so. I guess the one thing that they want to do is either keep all the cash to themselves or don't have it a way where, um, you know, players are starting to get out of hand where, you know, you, one university is, you know, has more money and it becomes a has and has not issue. And it's already like that, so to speak, anyway. So to me, it's like I'm glad that they're coming up with some kind of way to, to compensate these, these players, especially if you are a standout player. Colleen, what's your thoughts on it? I can uh, completely agree. I mean, I definitely think that players get an advantage for, you know, getting a scholarship and being able to go to school. However, even if you're going to a school that's extremely expensive, the amount of money that it would take for your tuition and room aboard, I think for some of these star players is not, it doesn't add up. And, I think that um, even beginning the conversation is healthy and it might take some trial and error before they figure out, you know, what's the most fair way to do it because, like Troy said, it's more difficult if you have a school that has a lot more resources than it's a recruiting advantage. So that's that's an issue that they have to look at. But I think overall, I think it's about time. I think especially, you know, in the sports of football and, and basketball is kind of a joke now, you know, with the one and done scenario. I think it's it's time that it's time that these people get some compensation. And and it's gonna be probably uh you know, based on each individual's capabilities because YouTube isn't just gonna pay anybody anything, you know what I mean? To earn their uh compensation basically at this point. So uh, a lot of them are doing it I guess and they're getting some good return on their money. And I think maybe at that point, that's where everybody starts to look at it. But deserving so, each athlete should get some sort of compensation for it. Um, like Troy says, because they are part of the, uh, the college atmosphere and ben- and they're benefiting the program in terms of exposure as well. So um, the, the, let's see the here. One thing I did have, the one thing I did have an issue with, though, and, and and especially when it comes to football, like in basketball, I would kind of more understand about, you know, if you're a YouTube athlete and you're making a play and you know you're getting views and you're getting compensated for it. But you know, as we all know, because we're so heavily involved in the sport, football is the ultimate team sport. So yeah, you see that wide receiver glide through the air, making a catch, and he's out running the defensive back and linebackers, and he's running in for a touchdown. He's got his hands up, and people are getting him, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of accolades. But if it wasn't for the guys that were blocking on the line, or that running back didn't pick up that blitz that came off of the weak side, 
or, you know, the quarterback, he, he kind of faked the read, and then, uh, you know, you had another uh, running back who sold the play action. Those things all go into those plays where you end up having a successful play, especially with this being an ultimate team sport. So that's the only one criticism that I have of it is, is giving the accolades just to one guy when you're talking about it from absolutely the ultimate team sport. So, uh, Troy, you think uh, drama will build up and then you have jealousy and then things will start into some sort of movie that we got to watch eventually down down the, in the future? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's coming. I mean, cause, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know any, if you've been on any team and you're, you know, sure. a French guy and you know, you, you kind of get – you start to feel a certain way when, you know, you have this guy that's out there and he's, you know, telling everyone how great he is or everyone's telling him how great he is and, you know, the offensive line doesn't get any credit. I, I argue with my wife about this all the time. I'm actually teaching her a lot more about football now because at first she was just like, well, I don't know who the fat guys are that, that's doing all the hand movements and, you know, chest bumping each other. So I had to actually explain to her how important these guys are. So, you know, it's one of those things. But it's more about the education of the fans, honestly. And if the fans are more educated, I just think, you know, then maybe that won't be as pronounced as it it has been. Holly, you think that's going to be drama in the the locker room at this point? I mean, based on, Um, let's say somebody gets, you know, we get an uh, OJ, I mean, Odell Beckham, superstar, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's just glorifying himself on YouTube. <laughs> well, okay, if you're talking about the NFL, that's a little bit different because they're all making a lot of money. But college sure, players, sure. Um, yes and no. I, I think, I think what I don't know, like you, you might be able to tweak that idea a little bit, and that. What if you are displaying, you know, uh, like a, a complete offensive play? Who do you decide who gets the money from that play? Like the who gets the the rights to that play? So, like like Troy said, that's going to be a little tricky. So they they might have to like really come together and figure out how they're going to do that. If it's just oh, it's my YouTube channel, so it's mine, or are you going to pay out depending on who's in the play? That's a little bit tricky, but as far as jealousy, maybe. I guess it would depend on the coaching staff and culture that they have. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like in college, for example, when you're when you're playing, uh, you know, NCAA uh, 2017, the football game, they're using their likenesses all over the place, <laughs> and it's exactly what this player looks like, the same build, same, you know, uh, facial features, same talent as far as skill set in the game, but they don't get any money from it because it's supposedly not that player. And it, and I think that's so wrong. It, it's like it's like taking a version of me and putting it in a video game and then saying, oh, that's not Holly, but we're going to make a lot of money off the person looking like you. I, I just think it's so awful, and I think that they do need to fix it, but it's definitely going to take some time. There's definitely some uh, loopholes and pitfalls that they're going to have to work through. All right, um, Troy and Holly, I'm going to move on to the Legends Football League because once we get to 6.30, we're going to just dive into the women's game until we leave because um, Sam will come in at 7.30. But anyways, let's dive into Legends Football League. Um, This week, from last week, 
the commissioner, commissioner of the Legends Football League, Mitchell Mortaza, has invited a uh, women's tackle football player uh, to a special show that he's going to do on August 9th. And all this is coming off the uh, latest Commissioner's Corner episode 110. So you guys can go to uh, LFL on the YouTube channel and check it out. But anyways, he's inviting a women's tackle football player to come on the show so uh, he can debate, I guess, the differences between uh, the women's tackle football community in terms of that and the Legend of Football League. And his point was, you know, uh, his players have asked him to, um, you know, reserve to do this, but now he's going to do it. So technically, um, let's go into the little, uh, what do you call that, little bowl of names. Um, why don't we get Katie? Katie responded to him. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, Katie would just go ahead and be the challenger to Mitchell Mortaza's uh, invitation? I think it would be a good choice. Um, it would not be me because he uh, blocked me, so that didn't work out so well for me. But oh, uh, Holly, uh, Holly, I've been uh, I've been blacklisted for about what nine years now, eight years. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not. You're not the first one. And, and any opinion, and Mitchell's listening to this. I know him very well. Uh, any opinion that it differs from his opinion, you are blocked. <laughs> well, I I actually felt very special because my my comment <laughs> uh, when I saw the thread was actually pretty PC, if I do say my say so myself. Oh. There wasn't anything like mean or anything. I was just like, hey, you know, I, like for me with the LFL, I always respect the players because they're athletes. I just don't like the way that he treats his athletes. And, you know, the HR person in me, what I do for my normal job, like, just, it makes me cringe a bit. And so, my comment was pretty PC, and I was blocked within, like, five minutes, and I was like, wow, I I, I must have made it now. (laughs) Welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) To your point, Katie, I think it's an excellent choice, because she is one of those faces of the sport people know who she is and I think um, to be, be able to articulate uh, our sport well and I think for us as far as the sport of uh, women's tackle football on that side really I like it's it's two forms of football and the LFL is more like arena style and, and we're more like the NFL style and they both can totally exist, and I think I would have no problem with them existing. I just don't like the way that he treats his players. I don't think he treats them very well. And I, I've known a lot of people that have played in that league, and they've told me stories, and I know some of the background stuff, and I just – I'm such a staunch feminist female athlete advocate that I just don't like the way he treats his players. That being said, I, I think – as a women's tackle football player, I'm actually encouraged because I feel like the both debate means we're actually on the radar. All the work we've done for all these years must have meant something if he feels threatened enough to make this big post and this big offer to get somebody in there. But I will say I, that person, whoever that is, 
it's it's going to be tough because he's going to want to paint his picture. So it's going to be it's going to have to be somebody tough enough in their stance not to be pushed over either. So that's why I think Katie. I think I think it stems a lot of it has a lot of it has to stem from the fact that, in my view, uh, the women's gridiron community ends up poking at him every time when they make a video. We're not lingerie. We don't do lingerie. We don't do lingerie. I think mm-hmm. that is one of those things that got to him. <laughs> right. for, for whatever reason, it's only been going on for seven years, you know what I mean, or eight years. And all of a sudden, here we got an outburst of some sort of outburst. And I don't understand it either because I'm thinking, okay, you, you've been hearing this message for like, I mean, I don't know, 10 years now, 11, or even before that, or as soon as he came onto the scene. And now he's thinking that's right. rude and not acceptable, or now he wants to figure things out. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Who do we think, uh, Troy? I got I I I go Katie. Um, if anybody's got anybody else, I would go Katie because I think he, she responded to him. Uh, I think she'd be professional about it. They'd have a debate on it, uh, that kind of deal. Um, she's you know she's a high highly regarded individual in our sport in terms of the women's football, you know, and so. Um, she would have basically uh, a good time, I think, in terms of, you know, going back and forth. Um, Troy, you got any, anybody else you want to kick out a name out there? No, I mean, uh, you know, Katie sounds like a great choice. I mean, I, I did have um, – I, I had some thoughts on it. Um, the one thing, you know, you, you got to say about uh, Mitch is that – and I don't know the gentleman. You know, I've, I've seen a few things that he's posted and – and I, you know, I'll be honest. I haven't heard much of the, the rumors as far as like how he treated his players. But the one thing you get, you have to uh, admit from him is that he has passion. And the one, another thing, when someone has passion and it's, and they have a brand or um, a company that they built, they're going to be they're going to be very protective of that. You know, so you, I do understand how he can get a little bit tempted. <laughs> I could I can definitely understand that, but uh, but you know some of the things that I've seen how he's done, I I, I, def, I definitely don't agree with it. But I think he would bode well from having someone that you know is not afraid to you know speak their mind and bounce ideas off of him, you know, even if they're different from him. I think that's the way you grow, and so I would like to see the LFL brand uh, grow and to expand a little bit, and you know not at the cost of any other league, and it doesn't have to be that way. Just alluding to uh, Holly's point is that there can be a coexistence uh, between these leagues. But I just think it would go well for him to have people. You know, if he were if he was a little bit more open to criticism and taking in those things, and I think someone who is not afraid to to speak up their mind would have to be it would be an ideal choice to to you know for you know for him to listen to. But he, he can't be so bullheaded and stubborn. I do understand. Like I said, you know, it's that's his baby, and you know, you're always going to protect your baby. Uh, at whether that whether the person is wrong or right going against your baby, you're always going to protect your baby. So, I just hope that you know he can continue to build his brand and get a little bit better because we've seen some things fall flat this year in the league, and I think maybe there might be some need for him to include other people in the process. Well, I can tell you uh, the schedule was a crappy schedule. Just just be just be frank about it. This year has been like you know blowout donuts. You know we talk about women's tackle football having blowout you know zero donuts consistently week in week out, 
and this is the one of the one of the leagues that obviously didn't have that problem uh, until this year and the year before that, and all of a sudden now we have that problem. So I think it really needs he needs to really analyze his brand and the quality of on the play and everything else. But overall, uh, I'll go with Katie. Uh, I don't know if Jen will be inclined to answer him. You know, we're talking Jen Walker. Um, so I don't know if any of them will take up. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see who shows up on August 9th uh, on uh, LFL Commissioner's Corner, Special Commissioner's Corner, uh, as uh, he brings in, I guess, an individual from the women's tackle football community to go on with him and to debate, I guess, both sides. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, also, L- uh, LFL announced the Team of the Year's uh, Rookies of the Year. You guys can go on to our Twitter feed or you guys go directly to the Legends Football League site on Facebook, get that information. They also announced Chris Del Harris, of Chicago Bliss uh, as a Hall of Fame nominee, along with uh, K.K. Matheny. We'll see who gets the nod here between now and uh, the awards show. Legends Cup will be September 3rd in Ontario, and that will be in Citizens Bank Arena. The conference finals are going to be August 20th. Uh, what a, what a, week 14 and week 15, I mean, we really don't even need to talk about that, Troy. 60-0 to zero and 66-0. to zero. It's just, just a joke the last two weeks just really what it is uh, against Omaha and against Denver. And we already knew that that was going to happen. I'm looking forward to this well, week I mean, coming up, week 16, he, he to, Los Angeles versus Atlanta. We'll see if that's a competitive game. But other than that, that's where the uh, Legends Football League stands right now, week 16, and then the playoffs start on August 20th. Aren't they sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts? No, but they should I mean, be. This year they should have been. They, they should have. They should have been sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts this year, for sure. Especially in Denver. <laughs> Denver was a slaughter. It would have been. It would have been donuts and oh, frosting man. on top of that. You know what I mean? In Denver, it's like I, I, wow. I, I just. I just hope that the you know the Denver team and and and, and Omaha. I just hope they're keeping up their you know their their morale. I yeah. don't want to see them you know get a little downtrodden. I just want them to be a little bit more competitive as well. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, so that's pretty much all we have in news and notes. Um, I will dive into, um, if you guys want to check out the IWFA championship on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page, uh, congratulations to Michelle Marshall of the Austin Acoustic, who also plays for the San Antonio, Texas legacy of the IWFA. IWFA is similar to LFL style, except for um, more different uh, full, kit, full kit helmet, full kit shoulders, uh, and um, full shorts on the bottom. Uh, basically athletic shorts on that. So they've modified their, their you know, appearance on that. But it's still uh, football. I think it's, uh, I believe, 999, and it's a, a great game to watch as well. So Division Two RG, RGV Vixens win the Division Two championship 57-56 against Rockford Hurricanes. And we're talking Texas. This, all the, this league is in Texas, in the uh, Texas uh, state. And so that's one of the uh, – the league's uh, championships that happened. The other one was uh, WFL down in Mexico, and you guys can go to our Twitter feed, get all the information there. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Hugh Scott the third, which goes uh, on our Twitter handle at Hazmat3Photo. He also goes at Hazmat Photography on Facebook, and uh, Hugh was there live at the uh, W Bowl in Pittsburgh. Amazing pictures. Um, you can follow him on Instagram as well as hazmat 3 Photo. He took um, uh, All-American photos on the All-American game as well on Twitter and, and Instagram that you can find him there. And also a big shout-out to Disruptive Photo on Facebook for capturing all the moments 
of the Women's World Championships in Canada. Check it out on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties as well. And so shout out to them. Great job on their behalf to take care of um, capturing the moments of the um, great event there. All right, guys. So uh, Holly and Troy, here we have the um, Utah Falcons legendary quarterback, back-to-back champion, IWFL champion as well. And Louise Bean is on the board. Louise, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. Thanks. So, Louise, you're on with uh, Holly Custis, WFA All-Star. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with her in terms of uh, hey, chasing Bean. you down. I am. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? And you're on with, with Troy Wilson, my uh, college football and NFL insider. Oh, yeah. He's really Hey, famous. Louise. How's it going? <laughs> good. Thanks. <laughs> how's it going? He's, more, he's well known across all the boards. <laughs> awesome. See, see, Troy, you're a, you're a hit already. You're yeah, in. totally. <laughs> totally. Thank you, thank you. All right, so we Louise, going on? Um, nice IWFL weekend. Um, you know, you guys had the All-Star game as well. You guys had uh, the, I believe, the Founders Bowl game as well, and then obviously the National Championship. Um, we did. The Austin Yellow Jackets came to play, and then all of a sudden, um, as uh, we would say here, uh, you turn on the switch for the last quarter or so, and all of a sudden it's, Falcons game and we're good to go and another trophy. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really happy. I mean, we were really excited when we found out we were going to be able to host the event this year, and um, we had a great committee and we had the the state Utah Sports Association help sponsor the event. Um, so we, the president of the Senate was uh, Wayne Niederhauser was really involved in that, and then the governor was there, and we had three thousand people there watching the game. And so, yeah, that was uh, it was awesome on every level. So we were just glad that we were able to be in the game and all the chips fell into place. Yeah, and um, you know, it's uh, it was exciting to have it at home, right? You guys are in Murray at the Cotton uh, at, at the high school as well, right? Yes, we. That's true. So it was a great a great environment for you. Um, tell us a little bit about Austin. Let's talk about Austin because we saw the game on 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 the YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit about Austin, what you saw during the game, uh, what kind of things they did pretty well to disrupt you guys. Uh, ultimately, you know, you guys came up with the victory, but Austin had been undefeated all season. They come into play. Uh, Tony Fuller obviously coming off her gold medal win with Team USA. So it's, you know, probably exciting time for her because gold medal and then all of a sudden now she's playing for the for the championship. Yeah, I mean, hats off to her definitely for making the roster for the USA team. That's awesome, and she's a good player. Um, she had to play, I think she played almost every down for them. I don't know if she was on special teams, but we had kind of figured that they would be the team that we would play in the championship, so um, we just kind of kept an eye on them, and I'm sure they kept an eye on us. And and so, um, uh, you know, I feel like that we are always meant to, fully mentally prepared and physically prepared for every game. And so um, for us, it's not about – because we have only lost once in four years, we fully expect to win. And so everything that we do to prepare for a team um, is based more upon us. And, yes, we watch film. And we have a required amount of film hours that we're required to watch each week for a game. And you can track that. Huddle can track that. So your coaches can track it. You can track you know, that kind of stuff. And so – so everyone's really prepared, and then we have our adjustments in practice, and 
you know, the things that we're preparing for. So they're a pretty big team, pretty physical, but that's not something that we're not used to. It seems like most teams we play are bigger than us. Um, but so far we haven't played a team in my four years that as a Falcon that's better than us uh, speed-wise as a team. And so speed's obviously our advantage, and then we just figure we're going to outsmart you. And so, um, you know, the type of offense that we run – I really love it because people in women's football don't really run it, so it's really hard to simulate if you're a defensive coordinator. And um, because our style makes it so that we can uh, adjust to whatever you want to do. So if you want to flow with motion, we can adjust to that. If you don't want to flow with motion, it doesn't matter to us. Um, so we knew they were going to be big. We knew they were physical. We knew we played them last year in the playoffs. They had similar coaches, and so – you know, coaches have certain tendencies, so we had scattered that. And uh, But they definitely came in ready to play. Um, they came in to Utah with the approach of they were going to be more um, not go out and socialize with people and kind of enjoy the weekend. They wanted to be more protected in their rooms, and our approach is always a little bit different. Hey, you know, this is an event. This is women's football. We're going to support each other. We're going to go to all the other games. Um that's just our mentality, and that's just how we treat things. So they were definitely, you know, they were ready to go. But, you know, we just came in and did our thing, and and we just always figured we were going to win, and it worked out that we did. So, uh, But it definitely, they definitely came in with uh, the intention to win. So we were just glad we had a good game. All right. So, ladies, the season – was going well, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over here to Holly. But uh, Holly, um, you played against her. What do you say? <laughs> Back-to-back champion here. I haven't played against Holly for several years, so uh... it, it took a minute, took a minute. Um, but my favorite being memory is the the Vegas camp. Okay. We all were down. <laughs> What'd you say? That's probably like five. I said okay. I said that's probably like five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> It's been a minute. I haven't seen you in a while. But yeah. um, I, one of the things I loved about Bean is she's very, she's very intellectual, as you can just hear her describe how they prepare for the game. But one of my questions for you is when I've, you know, been friends with a lot of people on the team, but I've been around it a little bit, not in the last mm-hmm. couple of years here, but enough to know that the culture there is different. Can you talk about the difference between the culture with the Falcons and the other teams that you played for previously? Ooh, um, you know, we call it the secret sauce down here. So, um, you know, I think a lot of teams feel like that if you come to Utah and you play a team from Utah, and at least this is what they feel about us, that we're just a bunch of white girls, and, uh, and or, or more so that there's just a bunch of white Mormon girls that play football in Utah, and that's definitely, you know, we're very um, diverse and, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and have different ages and different things in life. And and I think um, our culture is one of uh, we, we work really hard, but I can't say that's different than other teams. So we work really hard. We're um, – the expectations are high. The accountability is high. And – but we have a lot of fun. And so – we work really hard, but I don't know how to explain our fun. Our fun is not based upon we come out and have sprinkler fights or throw water balloons or something like that. 
but we're really creative in how we approach the game. Our coaches are creative and um, we don't, we hardly tackle each other. Um, we, um, we only tackle pads and we um, do a lot of technique things, but then when we come, um, we're just challenged in ways physically and mentally that you want to be challenged and everyone's different, of course. Um, but, you know, we have fun little challenges like our coach will ask us historical questions and because our coach is a military history science from the Air Force Academy, we'll be running sprints and, you know, if someone can answer this historical question from some military battle, then maybe we don't have to run as many sprints or something like that. And we always condition and we have a certain amount of time that we condition. And so, um, you know, we just, we enjoy each other. We don't have clicks. We don't, everything is team-based. There's no I, there's you, everyone pays the same amount. And so number 47 player, for us there's 51. So the 51 player is just as important as the number one player because we all pay the same amount. So the idea is, is that if you're a starter, that you're trying to do your job as best and quickly as possible because your teammate needs to get in and they just deserve that right just to play just as much as you do because you all pay the same amount. So I think that adds to our culture and the way that we take care of each other and look out for each other. And and uh, it, the philosophy is just taught by our head coach and his assistants. And I don't know how to explain it really. It's just that you really, you know, I hear girls talk all the time about their teammates and how they love their teammates and just all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not saying that that's not right or discredited or anything like that. I just, it's just, it's just different here. It's just, I don't. It's just everyone loves to be here. No, people miss, don't miss practice. Everyone comes to practice. Um, they want to get better. They want to get better for each other. Um, they want to get better for their coaches. They want to get better because it's an awesome sport. And I always hear about teams they don't have enough for practices or they don't show up for practice or things like that. And that's just not the case on our team. We want to be at practice. And so if you have 51 people on your roster. You know, every practice you're maybe going to have for us, maybe 10% that can't be at practice that day because of something that's going on or whatever. Maybe they're traveling for work. But for us, if, you know, we usually have 40-plus at every practice, in every practice of the entire year. And so mm-hmm. that right there creates a winning culture and just an expectation about what we're trying to do. Can you uh, talk about uh the personnel packaging that you guys do, because I noticed uh, while watching in the previous years, I'm assuming you do it the same way, is mm-hmm. that when you substitute players, it's not necessarily an individual basis like most teams do. Mm-hmm. You seem to have an entire package of people that you rotate in and out. And when I watched that, I noticed that people in those groups take a lot of pride of being a part of that group. Do you feel like that really helps you guys? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big deal. So that's the whole thing about, so we have three platoons, so we have three colors for each platoon. And we use a lot of military jargon. And so, so like, I'm on black. So black usually starts the game, but black includes about, oh, let's say I'm on black offense. So black offense has 11 players. But on our on our black offense, we have about 16. And so everyone knows that you're going you're gonna to rotate after about three or four plays. And it's already decided beforehand, and that's how it works. And so then when they call blue offense, there could be about hmm, 15 or 16 more players on blue offense. Now, some of those players might also play on black offense. just depends. And then you have silver. So it's the whole, So each quarterback is in charge of their unit. 
And so right. they so there so that that team that team has pride and they want to be able to score on their unit. And so that quarterback mentors and helps those players on their unit. Now maybe there's a, a player on silver that also plays on black. So there's an intermixing and most players all play I'm one of the few exceptions I only play quarterback. But most players all play on two or three units amongst the offense and the defense. So you might play black offense, silver defense, and then there's the special team. So because that's so intermixed and because it's so organized, um, people take a lot of pride. Now something that we have is if you're on silver defense and the offense that you're playing against gets the ball to the 35, like maybe they're getting close to score, we have a rule that the black off, the black defense comes in. So black or sorry, so the black defense will come in. That means the starting defense. So they'll come in if the ball gets to the 35. So the silver defense, and I guess some people, in some people's eyes, that would be third string. They don't want to. They don't want to get off the field. They don't want to lose that. That's prideful to them. They don't want to. They don't want to get kicked off the field and let black come in. So they're trying their guts out, playing the best that they can, so that they don't have to come off. So it right. just creates a certain accountability and a certain pride in your unit, and and also you're not. Our, our coach will, like I said, sometimes I think on a lot of teams. People either don't get to play a lot or they don't get to be considered as valuable, quote, valuable, as maybe another player. But in our system and in our coaching philosophy, everyone's valued very equally. Now, yes, a certain player knows that maybe they're not as good as our number 20, but yet in the eyes of our coaching staff and of our, in our in their teammates, they're valued equally. And so my job is to do as best as I can and be as efficient as I can for our my, my offense so that that girl that plays on silver who doesn't start the game gets to come in because that's how we're trained, that that your battle buddy or your teammate is no less more important than you. And so just because I'm the starting quarterback, I don't value myself any higher than the other $800 playing, $800 paying teammate of mine who comes to all the practices and works hard as well. So that's how it fosters the culture, whereas the culture of, hey, we're all in this together, we love this, and that same player that's on silver that's maybe considered third string, she has to watch as much film as me, even though I watch a whole lot of film. So that extra. Right. So it's a cool thing. I like it. I mean, I love it. It's it's awesome. I don't know if that made sense, but. That totally makes sense. Oh, it, I think it, okay. It, it totally makes sense. It, it, it's something I noticed when I watched you guys a few years ago, though, I thought was really interesting. And I kind of like the idea so it's cool to hear, you know, kind of more detail about it. Also, because we live in a small market, and so there's so many teams out there that live in way bigger cities and way bigger markets than us, and we're one of the few teams that can really manage and foster a, a roster size that big. And you don't see teams that have roster size that big. There's there's a handful out there, but not a ton. And so when people come to our camps or when they come to our um, when they come to our stuff in the preseason. I think some teams out there, girls think they won't play. If they're not in the first 25, maybe they won't play. But on our team, and so they don't recruit other players because they don't want to lose their spot. But on our team, people are always inviting everyone to come because everyone will know sooner or later that you're going to get to play. If you work hard and you come to practice, because they won't play you if you don't come and you don't know the scheme. And there's a lot that goes into our schemes. So you can't play if you don't know what's going on. So that keeps will come into practice. Also, they have a good time. They like their teammates. We travel everybody. 
if you can go, we travel you. So there's no rules or disqualifications. And so even injured players want to come because they're going to have a good time. And they're treated the same. And so um, so it definitely it makes, it makes a current player want to recruit more players because they're not going to lose their spot. If they worked hard and they've earned it, they're not going to lose their spot. And then a new player feels included and loved because – no one's, no one's. It's not the NFL where you're fighting for your contract and that there's just barely enough spots. It's not like that. On our team, it's like, hey, just co- just come join the family, and we'll all do this together. And guess what? We're gonna have a whole lot of fun together. That's awesome. Well, thanks for asking. Because it's a good system. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people knew that unless they played you, so I wanted to bring attention to it. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Actually, we've had some funniest things. We, let's, you know, usually we're out by a pretty good amount at halftime, and we've had bus drivers or other people say, you guys should rotate your girls more. Like, they think it's all the same girls playing, and usually the entire 51 is played by halftime. We're like, yeah, we are rotating. <laughs> so, How funny that's is that? That's, like, that's hilarious. I know. We, we've had that happen every single game when we've traveled. The best girl would be like, you guys should really rotate your girls. I'm like, yeah, everyone played. All 51 played. So that's wow. a tribute to all of our players and our coaches that they don't notice, you know, a huge drop-off. And, and and you know, it's pretty seamless as far as the rotations. People understand when they're coming in. It's not like just a coach yelling for somebody, get in there, linebacker or whatever. It's a pretty organized, um, seamless rotation. I mean, yeah, sometimes – if Fair just came off on defense and they've yelled out silver offense and she didn't hear it or something like that, you know, but it's pretty, it's, you know, to, to manage that many players, you got to have a lot of coaches. So we have a lot of those and they all have their jobs and their duties and their little assignments. And they keep, the one thing I love about our staff is that they're empowered to do their roles. And so our head coach is not worried about if someone's going to, you know, do something that will make him look bad. I, you know, it's just sometimes that's a struggle in football, whether it's women or men. The head coach or someone might be worried, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna get smart or maybe the girls will like them more or, so, or something stupid like that. And our coach is comfortable with who he is. He's comfortable with empowering the coaches to do their and take care of their, of their uh, areas of concern. He empowers the quarterbacks. He empowers the, you know, players to – do what they're supposed to do. So, you know, quarterbacks, they can make audibles. They can make play calls, meaning um, the play call comes in. Now, if they feel like they see something else, then they have the ability to audible. They better be pretty good at what they're going to do. They better have a good reason to do it, but you're empowered to make those decisions. And so it's a pretty – I mean, you know, I I feel like even on my very last game, I never got bored with the offense. I never got bored with what we were doing because there was always something new to get better at, and there was some new little wrinkle – and there's so much decision-making that's going on for quarterbacks anyways. Um, but in our offense, you have like three reads on one play. So that does not get boring, and that's just on a run play. So it's, a, it, it's definitely an exciting uh, offense to run. Well, I'm, uh, for one, really excited for you to have won these championships. So I just want to say congratulations. Okay. You should come play, you know. <laughs> you should move down and use I, lo- I, t- I love you too. I love you too. No, actually, we're really, we're just really glad and really lucky that we got a chance to play for the championships and that we won them. So, not to take away anything from the teams that we played, but you know, someone's got to win. So we're just glad it's us. 
Go ahead, Troy. Hey, Louise. Um, yeah. We, we we see we we know how dominant that offense is. I mean that you know that uh, that triple option. Um, you know the Fisher the Berry style of offense. I I personally love it. I love it. I mean. Ah, you and I talked about it last year. IWSL. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you guys have been dominating the IWSL um, for the past four years, um, and, and you scored the most points. Tell me a little bit about this defense. I mean, because you guys only allowed eight points the entire uh-huh. eight regular season games. You only allowed yeah. 26 points in the postseason, and that's including the one shutout in the first round. How are you guys dominating teams on both sides of the ball like this? Um, well, we had a one of our, our defensive, defensive coordinator this year um, was not the defensive coordinator the last few years, but he was on the staff. He was doing D-line and, uh, and DBs. And he has been in the high school ranks for several years. So he's been around football. And then he just um, the other guy retired, and so he just moved up. And he changed the defense a little bit. Um, uh, well, he changed it. Well, you know, he changed, changed it a little bit. Um, but I felt like it it uh, enhanced our our the scheme was better suited for our speed and our we have a lot of speed everywhere, and so it enhanced what the, the linebackers could do. Also, he added, you know, um, more of a nickel package with a lot more because we're not super big. Then he just added more defensive backs, and so. Um, like for us on offense, we want to take you to the edges. We want to sh- we want to start tight, run to the edges, and if you want to try and shut down our edges, then we'll use our schemes to take you to the inside. But for us on defense, we we don't care if you go to the edges. We want you to go to the edges because that's a sideline for us. I mean, that's an extra player for us, and so and we're fast enough to push you to the edges. So I just felt like it enhanced our ability to to fly around, to take chances, but it was also a very sound scheme. And so it wasn't – sometimes I see in women's football, you can't even tell what scheme they are running because they're just kind of lining up like you line up to play summer softball or something like that. And so you can't tell what they're really trying to accomplish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can't tell what their plans are. And so um, – but for us, it's very scripted. It's very organized. It's very – I just feel like at the end of the day, we're just going to be smarter than you. And so far that's worked every game. So <laughs> – um, you know, the game that we lost was the championship three years ago against Pittsburgh, and they had a big and they had a strong, good team. And they scouted us really well, and we didn't play very well. And it was our first championship appearance, and we weren't quite ready for that, um, that uh, I don't know, that mental aspect of being in a championship game. We were a little tight. It ended up being a close game, and they won, and we learned a lot from that experience. And, and we weren't quite as deep that, that year at certain positions. And now, you know, in Utah, it's just every year we keep about 35 players from the year before. And most teams, that's the that's players they have on a team. So people really like to play in this organization. And, and it doesn't seem hard to recruit people because people don't care about telling their friends and neighbors. They're not giving up their spot. And so we're a small market city, but you know what? People are not afraid to invite their friends and, and get everyone involved. So it's just like, hey, come to the party. Just come to the party and learn how to play good football. So that keeps us building. And uh, and we just have really smart coaches. We just really do. So Yeah, and so along with that, well, along with that environment that you guys foster, it's a family uh, team environment. You guys all get along. 
Uh, you have smart coaches. You guys win. You play a fun style of offense. You play a fun style of defense. You guys must not be losing a whole lot of players. So, I mean, it must be pretty easy to recruit. And then uh, along that lines, uh, if you are keeping all your players in the house and you guys are uh, winning games by that much, that affords you that luxury to have these guys uh, get a lot of reps out there. So you uh, you guys are pretty experienced on your roster top to bottom. I love the fact that you say uh, your number one person up to your number 51 person uh, gets running the game. And so these, uh, you know, as dominant as you guys have been, that affords you guys that luxury. Wouldn't you agree? Um, the luxury of just having the depth, is that what you're asking? Yeah, the luxury depth of and, and experience depth, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely think in women's football, because you're not playing since you're a little kid, um, you can tell experience. So when you played Pittsburgh, they had some experienced, long-time playing players. So, I, you know, it doesn't take me very long when I'm playing in my position to see if you're an experienced linebacker, if you're an experienced um, DB, because you might be a really good athlete, but it's pretty easy. And Holly would agree with that. It's not too hard to find to notice an experienced player versus a, um, you know, good good athletic rookie or something like that. And so you figure out what you can do and what you can do against them. And for us, we just have a lot of longtime players. Um, but you know, we're still a younger. There's there's players out there that are playing. I'm the longest playing player, almost. I'm an eight-year player. We have one girl that's played 15 years, but she played with the boys. Um, we have our center who's played nine years. But so there's teams out there that have players that have played a lot longer, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, that kind of thing. Um, so it's just that we're used to playing with each other. I mean, some of these girls I've played football with for six and seven years. So, and the system obviously – um, if you try to treat tri- triple option to a brand-new rookie quarterback and a bunch of brand-new offensive linemen, then it's not going to go as smoothly. Cool to have some experience on it. Um, but And you know what? We're really – our team is – our offense is really good at play calling. Our head coach and the offensive coordinator, his son, they're both really good at play calling and um, really good at seeing what's going to happen. So if you want to do this, then and because we go no huddle, that's also a benefit, and against playing other teams, and we do play in a little higher elevation, so that's one of our things that go for us. Um, we also, I feel like we're more conditioned than any team that we've played in the last couple of years. Um, so you know, we just try and use everything to our advantage and um, mental advantage. Like I said, we're probably more mentally prepared than any of the teams I've ever played against or played with. Um, and there's a whole lot of tricks that go into that as far as being mentally prepared. Um, so, but also you, you, meant, you, you feel mentally empowered when you go in and, you're, and you feel like you're prepared, you know the scheme, you know what you're going to do. And, and once again, it's not just you're showing up for summer softball game and you're all going to go out there and play. Um, and you're just going to random positions and, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of these teams don't have a lot of big rosters, so, so their girls are just playing like five, six positions in every game. And I would think that would be pretty hard. Um, and you're not getting maybe coached up really well for all of those positions. So, um, you know, I mean, there's teams out there. Boston, they got big, lots of players. Chicago has a lot of players. Dallas has a lot of players. I don't know how they do their rotations, but you know, at least it works for us and and uh, we have a good time with it. 
So what are your plans in the offseason? I mean, you guys have played 12 games, including the All-Star game. Um, I'm assuming you're going to want to get a little bit of rest in, but how soon until you get back on the horse and start preparing so for the next we season? Start well, I mean, I know you're the, retiring. Yeah, yeah. I know you're I'm retiring now, but I mean, <laughs> I'm moving. But, I'm moving away. I mean, oh, you're okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah, so that so, kind you know, of – How long that, does it take for you guys to, to get back into the swing of things? So we start our regular season practices later than a lot of teams, so we don't start till mid-February. But we'll we'll start having our month-to-month camps in October or September. So those are just once a month. You get together. You that's your chance to recruit. Um, you know, we'll do some team events. Part of the charities that we're the charity that we're tethered to, the Miracles Mascot Foundation. Um, we get to go to the governor's office in a couple weeks um, for here in the state of Utah. So that's pretty cool. Um, Very nice. And so we'll just do some events like that. And then we have team trainers. And so the girls will start working out with the trainers. You don't have to because it's just based upon how far you live away. Um, and that's the other thing, too, is that people really work out. They really train. I mean, I know Holly is not – she's one of those people that's crazy and, and trains and works out and obviously has recovered from a, you know, major injury. So you can't just give lip service to stuff. you got to really work out. So, you know, I'd really say that 90% of our team believes in that concept, working out getting better, being in shape. And, and so it's funny how the, the philosophy of that everyone gets to play, it actually counteracts. If, you know, if everyone shows up and they think they're going to play, then they think, well, maybe they don't have to work hard. But be, but it counteracts that. Everyone's going to play, and so they it, it makes you want to work hard because you want to be be better for yourself and for your teammates. And so it just fosters that. It doesn't it doesn't have the opposite effect. It doesn't – it makes – instead of making people lazy – thinking I'll just show up and play, it's the opposite of that. So, um, so, and we didn't play in the all-star game. We just supported it. So that wasn't an extra game for us, but, um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. We just call it the secret sauce. We've got a great owner, um, just a great team philosophy. We have our own, um, team honor committee. So if there's problems with a player, you know, you have your honor committee that decides how that should be handled. Um, so, like I said, there's a lot of team empowerment. We also just really – women football teams struggle with that part, that part they say called drama. And, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if teams feel like the football team is where they should unleash all those things that are going on in their personal lives. But we definitely care for each other. But our only agenda is football. There's no and, – and helping the community with the, through the, the – uh, charity that we have. So there's no other agenda. There's no religious agenda. There's no um, women's rights agenda. There's no um, uh, gay pride agenda. No agenda. The agenda is football and getting better as a person and individual. And our, our assistants and our coaches and our owner, they don't allow those kind of things. And so once you figure out as a person that those aren't allowed and you don't bring that to the table, it's amazing what you can get accomplished. So that's also another reason why we're a good football team. Anything else, Troy? And I'm retiring and moving to Montana. So Montana, uh, of all places? Yeah, Montana. That's where my husband got his uh, transfer. So uh, nice. that's what's going to happen. It's for good me. weather but, out there. Uh, in the summertime. But uh, yeah, I know. 
Yeah, no, it's it's all good. So I've had I've had a great eight years of playing football, and I terribly miss it. Um, it's been one of my lifelong passions, and you know, one of these days Holly's gonna like walk away. So uh, uh, it, maybe. <laughs> it really sucks. It really stinks to have to call it quits. Um, but man, I've been so blessed. I've just really had a great time playing this sport, and. I could write a book about all the people I would think. And you know what's interesting is that I didn't have the best experiences when I was first playing. I never, we never won a game my first year. Um, we had some problems with coaches in a couple of years after that. And so it only makes me, when you have to work through all those hard times and get to where you're at, it just makes you even more appreciative and it just makes you even love the sport any, even more. And even when I lost every single game, I never wanted to just quit. And I just I wanted to get better. And I see that in this sport where people don't want to go play another team because they might lose or they they don't want to travel because it's too far of a drive. And I'm thinking, when did everyone become wimpy? This is just a sport. It's just a game. You just go have fun. Or, or they decide they don't want to play because, I don't know, someone treated them poorly. I don't know. It's just this is a game. And, and look at Holly. I mean, she's. She had a major injury, and she decided, and she wanted to come back and, you know, play it again. So there's got to be more people in this sport that actually feel that way and actually believe that way about the sport, that they love it so much that they would sacrifice their own, their own um, desires and beliefs because you want to be a part of that team and you want to be doing it with your teammates and, uh, and just to play the game for the love of the game. I mean, we're all p- paying. There's no next level for us. <laughs> There's no college graduation and going to the pros, so you know you gotta play every that's chance true. you that's, get. So that's the bottom line right there. Um, yeah, Luis, you're leaving obviously you know for family and everything else and and things like that. Um, can you give us a perspective of the amount of people under center that you probably need to just give some praise to? I mean, you've had some great center uh, exchanges probably with other players. Do you have any? You know, I mean, obviously you don't have any favorites, but um, is it is it you know the center? Any of those centers really helped you out? I mean, because the exchanges sometimes become difficult. We've seen that issue with many teams where there's no cohesive center and quarterback. Um, you know, offensive line, obviously the mm-hmm. shield for you, um, minimal injuries mm-hmm. for you, obviously protection. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, can you talk about maybe some of the players that you have? had a relationship or reliance on over the years that you've been playing as quarterback and, and how they've, you know, benefited you greatly. And now you're so appreciative for the fact, obviously it's, you know, it's a last ride, but they've been part of your journey as well. Um, well, you know, I've always watched other quarterbacks and have compared myself to them and been challenged by them. Um, you know, I, I there was court, there's quarterbacks out there and I'll do two categories. I'll say quarterbacks and I'll say, you know, because you, you were saying centers, right? But you're referring to right. centers on the line, yeah. Um, there's definitely some quarterbacks out there that are good quarterbacks, and um, but sadly, I haven't been impressed with their um, their leadership. They can throw the ball and things like that, but when I would meet them and I would see them and play with them at camps, I would be like, "Gosh, you know what? If we're going to be leaders of women, and that's what quarterbacks are, we have to hold ourselves to a little higher accountability." And and it's not it's how you how you treat your players that are in the huddle with you. And I've been disappointed with that sometimes. So I'm not going to name names. And I've been around 
a lot of the ones that are perceived as great. And, uh, but they weren't always great in my book because how they treated their players. And so um, that's something that I always felt was super important for me is that I didn't want to ever perceive, be, be perceived as better than, they, than my teammates. I wanted to be able to say that I, that I served them to the best of my ability and I, would, and I worked hard for them. I didn't ever want to be a prima donna or someone that, um, that acted like I was better or that I deserved better than them because I'm the first one to tell you that uh, I've never thrown for a ton of yardage because that's not how our offense is, but I've thrown for a lot of touchdowns and that's how our offense is. And so... Um, so I think in women's football, I would just challenge all the people that want to play QB to be that leader that really inspires other leaders and, and, that, and that makes women's football um, give it a good name and, and that if someone came and stuck a microphone in your face, that you, they could be proud of what you would say in representative of your team. Um, and, and, and not to use derogatory words. There's some words out there that in women's football that I'm thinking, that's supposed to be a good thing? And it's just not in my book, and we're just not allowed to say that. It's not encouraged in our in our locker room. Um, other than that, I've only had one center <laughs> my whole life here, so that's Quinn, Quinn Wesley. And so she's beyond amazing and magical in every way. And then also I don't get sacked because we throw the ball in less than three seconds. So all all the offensive line has to do is is do their job, and they don't have to hold the line very much. But um, – Gosh, you know, I could say Shauna Lofton. I could say, you know, I've played with her for a long time. Uh, Tina Mangum and uh, Jasmine Peters, who's played football for 15 years. So, you know, all those girls represent the Falcons really well. Um, there's Camille Broomhall. I mean, all those girls are going to never embarrass the family name. And so that's really important to our organization is hold yourselves accountable and not embarrass our, our team name. And um, I would just say that, I would say it's any parting thing is that the more you give to the sport and the more you give to your team, the more you give back. There's a lot of people out there that just want to take, take, take. And if you give to your team, then you'll get it back. So I think women's football needs that a lot, a lot. There's a lot of me, me, me's out there going on. So I'm just glad I got to play on a team that wasn't built like that. And um, that's probably it. I'm just uh, going to miss the sport. And, um and I would just challenge any quarterback out there, if you want to play the position, look at yourself first and see where you need to improve as a person. And, um, and don't use the B word calling girls that. It's not attractive. That's all I would say. <laughs> so, That's true. Not attractive. It's not attractive. Um, <laughs> not attractive. Um, Luis, the organization, obviously, we've talked to your coach before in the past, and he set the foundation for what the Utah Falcons are. So, you know, given aside, uh, I think uh, us fans really would like to see, like, you know, a, a Dallas elite against Utah. It's probably not going to happen, obviously, now that you're leaving the game. But overall, um, who will be stepping in your role in this Falcon offense? Do you know, or is this is this something that will be decided, obviously, next February? Oh, we definitely have, you know, a couple quarterbacks that have been quarterbacks with me the last couple of years. So, um, you know, they got a stable full of options. And both of them are wired and built to be good leaders of their team, but also good leaders of girls and of and of. Um, well, we got we got anywhere from 18 to 47 on our team. So, <laughs> good leaders of uh, of. We have a our team has a 
but we call it the Falcon's Way. And so it's a document that we created when it was first, the team was first created, and it's our foundation of what we believe and what our standards are. And I guess you could say like a mission statement. We just call it the Falcon's Way. And so um, you have that too. If, if that's your core family value system, and then that's your value system. We don't have contracts. You know, the WFA has players sign their contracts so that you don't have recruiting issues or something like that. We could care less about that kind of stuff. If you want to play with us, you play with us. If you don't want to play with us, go play somewhere else. We don't care. So we don't try to control you. We don't try to own you. Um, and that just makes it so girls feel like they are empowered. And maybe some girls want to feel like they've signed a contract and, and they're owned and they belong or something like that. And the girls on our team, they feel like they are they belong because they're given that freedom of choice. It's America. So if they get tired of playing, they'll quit. But you know, we just don't ever have. No one ever quits on our team. They just don't. <laughs> and so, and we don't fire anybody or kick them off. I mean, we've only kicked off like one girl, and that was three years ago. And that's because she couldn't stop lying all the time. So, you know, that's just against our code. So it's kind of like an honor code that we have, like you would have the academy or, you know, other private universities or something like that. So, it's just a really cool system. And um, and there's a couple quarterbacks that are that are playing for us, that have been playing for us for a few years. And I'm not too worried about it. I'm not too worried about them because they have good coaches and, and uh, they got a good scheme and they're fast. So they're faster than me. So <laughs> but you'll be here uh, about Louise? the Falcons for a while. So, Louise, will this be a three-peat? You think they will take you to the promised land once again? You mean the Falcons? You know, so much – I would love to say that, but, you know, women's football is so volatile – and everything's always changing all the time, and leads are always changing, and, you know, stuff like that. And so I know there was actually talk right after the championship of Dallas, of a game between Dallas and the Falcons. Um, and they actually, we tried to play them in the preseason. And both teams were for it. It was just a financial issue. And what I love about Dallas is they don't, they don't, they don't get wimpy and think, oh, no, we, we're better. We don't want to play you. They feel like they're better, but they want to play us because that's good for the sport. And so we would we would just, oh, my gosh, I wish we could play them. Oh, my heck. It would be like a dream come true. And it was Are you coming out of retirement? Would you, be, would you yeah. come out of retirement if that happened? Oh, man, if it happened before the beginning of next season. I can't really do that once, you know, there's a new team. That seems a little unfair. But, no, I'm just saying, um, would you fly from Montana to uh, the neutral state oh and my just gosh, suit yes. up one last time? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Well, we'd have to practice for a couple of weeks, but yeah, no, it was work it, it, done. They discussed it. It's just that you know, so it's no different, uh, Louis. It's no different than Holly uh, just throwing the crutches out and getting on that field, no matter what. Totally. Non crutches or not. Totally do that. You don't have to. You know, you throw Holly a crumb and she's good to go. Seriously. So, yeah. No. I mean, Holly's one of the true blue football players. She doesn't smack talk. She doesn't. You know, try to toot her own horn before she ever shows up. She's just one of those people that you just rub a little dirt on it and tape it up, and and you know she's ready to play. So she's definitely not a prima donna in any way. I really respect Holly in those aspects, and so uh, it's so funny because I feel like there's pre- some prima donnas in women's football, and I'm like, what are you a prima donna of? Because we're not getting paid, and you think it's you're true. all that, and <laughs> it's true. I'm like, who are you? What so do you think true. this is? You know. <laughs> 
That's so true. I could, you're going to go get your big contract next year or something like that? Or, this isn't the Housewives of Atlanta. This isn't the Housewives of Atlanta. You're not, not going to get any perk out of it. I know. I mean, what are you trying to get, oh, a reality wow. show? Or, oh, my heck. And so what are we trying to teach? Are we trying to teach that oh. your number 51 player also plays a role in your life and in, and, in, and in what you're trying to teach out there? This is an experience that so many people didn't think they'd ever get. I mean, I was one of them. I wanted to play football my entire life, and I and I just never – I couldn't think about it because it wasn't something I could do. And then all of a sudden it happened. And there's, you hear the same story. Holly hears it all the time about girls are like, oh, dream come true, always wanted to play. Dream come true, always wanted to play. Well, then, you know, play the game right and treat each other right and support each other. I mean, like, it's funny because women, they like to tear each other down for what? <laughs> because you're going to get a contract next year? No, you, you want to support each other. You want to support the game. I'm so surprised by when I've gone to the championship events and I've been to the WFA championship event and played in an all-star over there, and, and they don't support each other at the other events. Like, have you seen that, Holly, where why are you not attending all the other games of the other things that are going on? Because you're supposed to support that for each other. Yeah, I have seen it a little bit sometimes because yeah. um, I've been to a few of them. And sometimes mm-hmm. they must be a scheduling conflict because sometimes oh, I know that part. Example. But in a yeah. general sense, yes. Um <laughs> And I think, I think what you, to what you're saying, people, what I learned a long time ago when I first started playing is that everybody's motivated by something different sure. in order to play football. And people like you and me see the big picture of it's not just about us right now today. We're building a foundation for the people after us. And some people play because they want the attention. Some people play because they like the social aspect. Some people play, you know, because they want their family to be proud of them. I mean, everybody has their own motivation factor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's something I had to learn early in my career because I, I got frustrated early in my career as to, like, why aren't people joining the practice? Like, why is this a thing? And then I learned quickly that not everybody thought the same way. And so what we have to think about is that we want to get to the point where where we are paid, but it's almost like you have to fake it until you make it. You have to dress for success type of idea where you yes, have to treat yes. it in a professional way yeah. first or no one before it actually you. turns professional because yeah. women's sports, we don't get the benefit like the men's sports. So we have to treat it in a different way, and that's what you're, what you're saying. And one of the reasons why... I always thought that you were awesome because I knew that we're kindred spirits in that way. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah. And, and maybe that's, you know, oh, that comes from a leadership standpoint of your coaches and your owners. And if they don't get that vision, then they can't teach or instill that into their players coming from different backgrounds and, or maybe they're a brand new fresh player. And so they aren't getting what the lessons that need to be taught. And so, um, yeah, I mean, even on our team, you know, everyone has different reasons for playing, but at the end of the day, you know, what's the overall goals and how is that streamlined from your from your teaching of your of your coaches and your owners. So, you know, it's a complicated sport in the sense of that part because you can talk all day about the leagues or their ownerships or all those kind of things. But, you know, you can really only take care of what's going on in your own backyard and uh, and then go from there. So, Well, Elise, you've been entertaining. Uh, thank you for making the time uh, today. Uh, I mean, we are honored to have you on. Uh, we wanted to get you on because uh, you deserve 
the accolades as well as with your teammates and your team. But overall, uh, great success in Utah. Uh, you guys are going to, like said, you know, the, gov- uh, the governor is going to salute you guys as well. And uh, a great thing for the state also because it represents the highest level of excellence in terms of women's sports as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just great all the way around. And so we wish you well in Montana. We hope whoever comes around next season in February uh, will probably t- touch base on her name or, and figure out who's replacing you. Uh, based on the foundation and the system you had in place, I shouldn't miss a dime. <laughs> Me and Troy uh, were always analyzing when your coach came on and said, "Hey, we we just we just rotate in and out. <laughs> it's like it's like know, a military yeah. engine." So uh, if they keep that going, I guess uh, Falcon football is going to stay at that high level that you were obviously leaving it at. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for doing what you do for the sport and having different people on. And you know, you can only just grow it the best you can in your own neck of the woods. So thank you so much. I'll definitely miss. Well, I, you know, I still follow your page. So, um, but yeah, thanks a lot for that. And thanks for the love and attention that you give the Falcons. I saw some geek come out today and it was overall WFA and IWFL rankings. And you're ranked 14th in the nation. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I see all these teams. I know who they are. There's no way we're 14th, but you know, whatever. It's all good. It's just someone's opinion, but it really, I have no doubt that if, if the Falcons were going to play Chicago, in Dallas, in Boston, it'd be one heck of a game because, number one, they can't simulate our offense, and number two, we're going to be our, do our dangest to be smarter than you. So I know Dallas, and I know Chicago has some great athletes, and they're great size, and they have great, you know, uh, athletic ability. But if anyone really wanted a great game, they'd get a great game to be very something different because all those teams play today, they're all spread offenses. And, you know, you get used to practicing against that, but – we're just a little bit different. So, you know what? I'll throw out there. I'll go three feet for the Falcons next year. How about that? Of course you're going to go three feet and for the Falcons. It. What else is yeah, going to change? Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. And who cares because I'm retiring. So. I seriously, you're just falling out of Utah to Montana. Nobody's going to find you. That's right. That's I mean, but I, you know, that's all good. And, and I believe in my teammates and I believe in my coaches. And uh, I feel like they're probably the one top top two or three staffs in the nation. And I can say yeah. that because I know you, you deserve it. Film. I think rankings are rankings are just, you know, just the talk, uh, really, so in awkward. terms of women's football. I mean, look look at the Massey ratings. I mean, you can just throw yeah, that I in know. the garbage, wrap it up. Oh, like I know. Paper. Yeah, huh? Because <laughs> that hey, doesn't work at all. I know that, that's just actually, you bring a really good point. But anyway, I mean, true. Dallas was poo-hooed all year. Dallas was poo-hooed all year for not playing anybody. Yeah. They really didn't play anybody, but you know what? And Odessa, Odessa, would, be the, Odessa would be the first one <laughs> to throw yeah, that no, out definitely. there and say, it's played on the field. I don't give a yeah. crap about the people or the masses or the ratings. Well, and that's what's good about her is because she doesn't say we won't play you because we think we're so good. We'll play because you know what? It's great to play football. So, and there's some teams out there that just want to sit back and say, no, 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 we're really good. We're not going to play you. But hey, why not? Yeah. Football. So yeah, I'll, I'll go three feet for my team, and um, and I'll go. Um, oh, you brought up something. I forgot what it was. Uh, dang it, can't remember. You said you said something, and I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I'll go three feet for my team. And if they get if if they end up being in the WFA, mm, top team. If you got any sc- if you got any scoop, if you got any scoop, you might as well just lay it out here on a platter right now because we're oh, ready got, to eat. I got nothing. 
I got I got nothing. I just know that the leagues are always volatile and everyone's clamoring over. You know, you know there was what? How many teams were in the division? There was thirteen, twelve players on the team that won the division three championship. So yeah, you know, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff. Um, so you got uh, I, I I have no idea if the if the if the IBFL wants the Falcons and you know. Guess they can propose that. Yeah, if, I have no. If it'll happen, it'll happen because I mean, she Odessa made the effort to go to DC. I'm pretty sure Utah's a lot closer than DC. <laughs> so, There's a lot uh, of um, just, a WFA owners that want us in there because they oh, want just football. But hey, you know what, yeah. Oscar? I'll leave you with this. There's no other team in the nation that has the win-loss record of us in the last four years. So there you go. We'll end it on that one. So. Wow. <laughs> even Odessa. It... Even good old Odessa. Okay. But we'll take it because you're such you you're go. such a legendary quarterback with hardware that uh, we can't debate that. <laughs> I got a ring <laughs> I don't wear, to, you know. <laughs> can't debate that. All right. All right. So hey, thank, thank you, guys. Have a great time in Montana. Thank you for everything uh, that you've done for the sport as well as women's sports and obviously Utah sports in general and to your squad. And, uh, you know, have a great time in Utah. Relax. Uh, you're not going to get hey, sacked thanks. by a linebacker or anything like that, so you're, you're good to go there. <laughs> yeah. Holly, thank you. It was good to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, good the to talk line to you is too. the best. So, thank you, guys. Talk to you later. All right. So, there you go. Louise Bean uh, from the Utah Falcons, IWFL back-to-back champion. Um, Holly, you know, it's a, like she said, everybody goes through the rough roads. I mean, you start out with the, with the, a team that probably isn't as – cohesive where there isn't that great coaching and you know all these all these uh negatives and then eventually you grow and maybe you have to shift to a team like you know like you are right now with the majestics you know and so it's it's always uh, a situation where each player has to make a decision about shifting or going to the better to the better aspect even traveling sometimes uh definitely i mean uh, to what she was talking about before, when I first started my career, I started in Little Old Corvallis, Oregon, and then I played there for three years, and then also in Portland for five. And there have been times where I've played on teams where we've had 13, 14 players at a game, and you just don't come off the field. And like she was saying, it's actually it's, it's really difficult because no matter how good of an athlete you are or even uh, how good of a team you are, eventually you're going to get worn down. And so I remember playing on some in some of those games and we're competitive for the first, you know, basically half. And the second half you just wear down because you, you can't even get your breath. And that's difficult. Uh, but, yeah, I'm uh, excited to see what things come uh, of being as she moves into the next uh, area of her life. But honest, honestly, she's one of the best quarterbacks I've, I've ever seen in the game. And I think she's a bit underrated because they've played in the IWFL. Um, but, yeah, I respect her a lot. Yeah, and, and, you know, the record stands for herself. She can brag about it. I mean, uh, it, they have, like, you know, she just basically uh, put together, you know, a whole army. <laughs> it's like a military <laughs> army uh, with, you know, with a valuable player. And that's a good incentive to have, the, the incentive that she said, you know, the 51 player is no different than the number one player. And I think when you have that, uh, the organization is way stronger, the mindset's stronger. And to her point, every player wants to, uh, I love the analogy about how you have a silver unit or a black unit, as she was mentioning, and all of a sudden 
uh, you know, somebody's taking advantage of you and you're hauling it back to the 35, and all of a sudden the coach is going to go, hey, uh, you guys are just not cutting it. We're going to have to pull you out. Sometimes as a player, you're like sitting there going, hey, no, 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 leave me in because I really want to get these guys back, I, I, you know, a pick. or, You know, so the scenarios right there where there's an edginess to each player to just be the best. It's a different kind of competitive spirit there. And that's why I always found it very interesting because uh, I've seen their team up in, uh, close and personal before. And I was fascinated by it because it, it's, a, it's a bit unique. And they're taking an idea of being competitive, but they're doing more than the confines of their individual units. And so their competitive nature is more um, staked on, on their pride of, okay, if I'm on you know, this particular unit and I know if they get the ball past the 35 that I have to come off, then I'm going to want to play as long as I can and make sure they don't get to the 35. And so it just intensifies, it makes it more intense and more competitive in that moment rather than a group of players knowing that, you know, that they, they have that leeway. So I don't know if it would work for every single group out there. I think it's a competitive culture that is built from the from the top bottom, and it really works for them. And I think I think it's a fascinating case study. Oh yeah, for sure. Hey Troy, if you're going to get booted out because you're just not cutting it, and you allow the you know allow the team to get to the 35, you're you're just going to be pissed off at yourself, technically, right? Yeah, I mean absolutely. Uh, yeah, but but I I I got a I got a bone pick. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me just redirect for one second. Go go. Fourteenth. Fourteenth. They're ranked fourteenth. Uh, these people who watch this team play. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Do you have, Troy, do you have an issue with the rankings? <laughs> yeah, fourteenth. <laughs> It's the math. You can throw I mean, it just I, like I, the Massey ratings. Just wrap it in paper and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I think I must yeah, have missed this. Is this um, somebody's opinion, or is it uh, one of those math ones like the Massey rankings? I think it's probably math- mathematically done. Uh, I mean, it's just. But you know what? Reality is reality. At the end of the day, they should be ranked one and two. Dallas, Utah. You know, I would probably put Dallas a little higher just because of the fact that they play in the bigger league and the, you know, more competitive, I think, of this season. But you can't take anything away from Utah. They play their schedule. They go all the way to the final, and they, and they earn it. So they should be one and two. Wow. Yeah, 14. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 14 where? Yeah, I, just, I, just, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make my, yeah, my, my seriously. opinion known on that one. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that, no, you, that's, I'm, wow. with, I'm with you. I mean, that's like – that's like so absurd. They you know, they're gonna be ranked fourteen yeah. after they won the championship in their league. You know, I could see maybe second, yeah. or you could put them third or something because you know you think uh, maybe another two teams from a different league are better or whatever. But they're definitely top three. They got to be in the top three. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You know, I mean, even the top five is not a slap in the face, but it's like you would question if it was number it was number five. You'd say, all right, I'm trying to figure out what you guys want. But fourteen? All right. I, I'm, yeah. I've had enough of it, but you know, just want to again, just want to make it known. Yeah. Hey, Holly, let's uh, introduce yeah. the fans. You are doing a very nice series. I uh, just started out this week. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page. You can also go to um, her uh, Twitter handle, and also to the uh, Holly Custis uh, uh, Facebook page. So you're doing a series on 
you started part one, right? And so tell us a little bit about what, what we're going to expect in the next uh, couple of weeks coming on. So basically, um, I came up with this idea uh, maybe two or three months ago where it came to my attention that there were a lot of um, uh, women's marches in, in this country. And so I started thinking about the role of the female athlete within the confines of the feminist movement and gender equality from a historical Mm -hmm. standpoint, Um, because a female athlete is kind of what Dean was alluding to, is it's easy for us to get caught up in the moment of what we're doing now, but we have to also look back on the history of where we've been so we can understand how far we've come and and what we need to improve on to get further. And Mm -hmm. I also wanted to to basically put this in context so people understand that to be a female athlete is in itself an act of defiance as far as um, uh, gender equality. And so the first part, because, you know, obviously history um, is a tricky thing and that it's hard to get thousands of years of history in a single blog post without putting people to sleep, so I decided to break it down into a few parts. And so the first part, I really addressed um, between 1800 and 1969. So basically, female sports, um, like most of the sports, were beginning to, to um, take place in the 1800s. But because of women's uh, rights not quite being up to what they are now, people were afraid to let women play sports. And there was actually literature out there that AAU, which is the organization that runs uh, basketball, uh, which a lot of people know about nowadays, and I believe 1926, they wouldn't let women play basketball, and they wouldn't even let women run more than a half a mile because they thought it would damage female reproductive parts. So that is how far we've gone. And so, Holly, years. so part one is going to go from the 1800s to 1969, I think. So 19, on, 1969. So right 69, before, right. For right before um, Title Title IX, which is basically right. uh, the biggest piece of legislation in female uh, athletic history. So right. I posted it out, and you can find it at Relentless21 dot wordpress.com and like um, Oscar said it's also on my Twitter which is Relentless 2121 um, so yeah. be prepared to see the next uh, version of that which I'll address between 1970 and 2000 uh, which has a lot more history um, so that will be coming out in the next week or so awesome so we'll go ahead and post it on Facebook on our Facebook page you can go to the Great Hour Beauties page as well and I know you've posted it on some of the uh, women's tackle football boards as well. So uh, let's not keep the three-time gold medalist, WFA champion, and WFA multiple all-star, Sammy Grisafi in the house. Sammy, how's it Hi. going today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? And you're in Cali of all places, my favorite state. I am. I am. It is warm today. Very warm. It's nice. Way different than Chicago, I presume. Well, it's pretty hot in Chicago right now. Uh, but, yeah. yes, it's, it's much warmer here in the winter, for sure. 
So, Sammy, I wanted to get you on because I know at this point in your career you are going to uh, start to skyrocket into your music swing, and we probably are not going to get to see, you know, anything else but music at this point, and everybody's going to just kind of, like, erase all this other stuff that happened because <laughs> you're going to be, like, a superstar <laughs> at some point now um, on, in the music scene, which you already are, but, you know, we're just going to just get to see you in that light now. Um, so tell us a little bit about, before we start talking football, uh, what are we doing in L.A., and what is uh, Sammy going forward here since we got just about, you know, 25 minutes to deal to get some time? And I know you're a busy lady, so. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, so right now we are working on a lot of things. Um, during the football season, we had um, some really great – we got some really good, great footage from uh, both the Women's Championship and also the Chicago Forest regular season – um, for a documentary that we've been working on for the last, uh, I guess, three years since 2014. Uh, so we have interviews from my high school coaches and uh, interviews with tons of women all across, you know, the country and actually worldwide, uh, players, coaches, um, every, everything that you could possibly think of for this documentary that we're working on, um, which will mostly be focused on uh, women's football, and our place in the world, <laughs> but also it'll it'll be mostly telling my personal story of women's football, uh, and my music uh, will also be a part of it as well. So that's that's the big piece that we're working on right now. Uh, we are also working on the next album, which is still in production. We just released um, a remix of a song that I released years ago, um, but it just got out on Spotify in June, and I didn't really have an opportunity to promote it because I was right in the middle. It was like a few days before we left for training camp for Team USA. So that's on Spotify mm-hmm. right now, and you can check that out. Uh, we're working on a music video for that as well. Uh, and then I also co-founded and co-run a monthly concert series that we that we do, it's uh, both indie musicians and indie comedians, and it's called Sunsesh LA. It's a really cool thing. Um, all of us started it because it's kind of a, a tough road for indie artists in general in Los Angeles to be heard or be seen if you don't have tons of money to market yourself and mm-hmm. get thousands of hundreds of thousands of Facebook likes and things like that. So. Uh, we decided to do it grassroots style. So we go out and we find great, talented people, and we book them, and we sell out every time we do a show. So they get to play for uh, a full audience of people who actually care and are actually listening and not talking through your set. And uh, it's something that we're all really, really proud of. If you want to check that out, we have a website for that. It's uh, sunsesh.la, and that's all. So that's kind of what I'm working awesome. on right now, just as I'm I'm getting back home, yeah. So you're always working, by the way, just to let you know, that's the theme on, on your behalf. Every time I, I see something, you're always working. So you're like a working girl. That's like, right. Always, yeah. on the go. <laughs> yeah. um, very proud of you, very proud of you. Um, so football-related, football Sammy, one last ride, um, Windy City shutting down on the force. What can you tell the fans about that? Well, uh, about the force disbanding, is that, yeah, the, is that the question? Yeah, the force shutting down, yeah. obviously. And you coming back for the last yeah, year I mean, to try to punch it into a championship. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a 
it was a rough go, uh, us losing at the end. But, you know, it was um, it was something that I felt was really important to be a part of when Linda, uh, our, the owner and general manager, of course, told me that it was going to be the last year. I mean, the force had been a part of my life uh, since I was, you know, just graduated. I wasn't even actually graduated from, from college yet. I was 21 when I first uh, tried out for the team. So it was, it's been a big part of my life there we have this saying, force family, finish. You'll, you might see on Chicago force players when we post, it's hashtag FFF, and that's what it stands for. And, um, you know, it is very much a family. It's not That's not lip service. And um, so I wanted to be a part of, of the last go, and, you know, we, we worked hard, and, and we did everything we could. And I think there was a lot of elements, you know, not excuses, but there were a lot of elements that, Contributed to our loss against Boston, and you can't you can't make mistakes and have and have those those issues that we had against a good team like Boston. So, uh, unfortunately, it didn't end the way that we had hoped. But I, I don't regret at all uh, the the taxing travel schedule or or the time spent on it because it it really was a special final season, and I got to play with a lot of players I hadn't played with before since I hadn't played. Uh, the two years for two years prior, so it was it was great and and uh, yeah I'm happy I'm happy I was able to be a part of of the final hurrah. Yeah, you were hanging out with our girl uh, Christy Moran, the Aussie. Pretty sure oh, you had a great I time there. <laughs> yeah, she's she's amazing. She's, Christy's is madness. I, she's good. She's really she's really good. She's an um, amazing. She, the thing about Christy Moran is she's such a competitor. And yeah. you know, I mean, there there are a few there are a few athletes that that quite have the tenacity and uh, work ethic, and also are as charming and as fun as as Chrissy is. I mean, she's she's kind of a dichotomy in that way. And uh, just really happy that I got to. She's she's definitely a, a big bright spot in this in this final season that we had for me. Yeah, and going back to going back to down under, and think she's going to be just such an impactful player. She already is, but a lot more now that she's got to play with uh, in the WFA. I think it's going to make her a way better player than she was before uh, playing in the World Championships as well. Um, Sammy, the the Canada experience, uh, besides you know bot, them botching your name and creating a Twitter yeah. like blaze of botching your name, but anyway. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They watched yeah, your name and were like, "What are you talking about? That's not her name." And it was it was just fun to watch on Twitter. Uh, these announcers got their you know they got their their whipping. Um, but you know what? Yeah. Can USA did you know you guys came together, did a good job. Uh, Lisa, Ali, yourself. Um, you know you had uh, 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 Defagrate uh, Hannah, right? Who played a big role in yeah. that besides Odessa. Um, so it's like, you know, Team Mexico surprised everybody. I think everybody was surprised that Team Mexico, you know, came to to the tournament this way. Um, you know, the, the Finland team for me was kind of disappointing because I thought they'd come in with a little bit more fire. Um, Canada, in the same place that they were before, which which is what they're customary and used to, second place at this point, not in a bad thing, but, you know, they, they have a program and they're obviously not as good as you guys yet, but they're obviously second place. And then uh, the British team, I mean, the Great Britain team, they just, same thing, supplies like Mexico. So what do you take out of the tournament? Um, about the, the competition? No, I'm talking about the tournament That's itself. What did you think of the tournament with all the teams and how everything turned out? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought it was great. It, my, my, 
my thing is, um, I think it's really important for us to, and this is one of the things that we we kept talking about, you know, as Team USA, is it's just really important to never underestimate an opponent. And I think that that is part of what, what we did with Mexico going in, you know, and, and four years is a long time for teams to get better. And uh, Mexico hadn't been in a tournament before. So there's a lot of elements that, that contributed, I think, to us coming out flat. And, and one of those things is I think that we were reading our own newspaper clippings a little bit and um, and just, you know, we weren't, ex- we weren't expecting to come out and be surprised at, at such a great athletic discipline team, I think, overall. I'm not saying, you know, everybody on the team was that way, but I do think there was a general air of, of um, you know, we got this in the bag type feel. And, uh, and we we were shocked, you know, I think, overall. And that's a great that's a great thing to happen because that's what's going to push uh, teams in the future to not underestimate other teams. And um, and I think that that's, that's just really important. Any given Sunday, as they say in football, is, is truly the case. And, um, yeah, so I, I think that the competition is improving overall um, because the more training you have and the more – experience you have with the game, obviously you're going to get better. Uh, the charge is to, to continue getting great coaching, not just not just skills getting better individually for these athletes, but good coaching. And I think I think that Mexico had, had a great coaching staff, um, and that's part of why they were successful. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, too, where, you know, you have great athletes, but uh, or you have great coaching, but the, the athletes are, are still not used to uh, terminology, or they're not used to absorbing it for this specific sport, and I think that might have been the case with with Australia. They just didn't have uh, the time to, you know, be able to absorb everything as a team to put it into action. I think they knew it mentally, but I don't. I don't know um, if they knew how to put it in, into on on the field in in work. Yeah, I think it's, it really breaks down uh, Mexico's uh, dedication to the sport. Um, the various leagues there now, they've been in, in the sport for 10 years, so it sort of uh, right. you know, shows their durability. Uh, Great Britain's been in place for almost four years, five years now. That also shows their progress. So a lot of it has to do with that, too. Um, Holly, you got the great Sammy Grisafi here. I'm pretty sure you've met her before and talked to her. So anything you want to ask her here? Yes. Um, do you feel that studying and playing music uh, helped you play quarterback? Uh, it's funny you say that uh, because I didn't study or play music until after I'd already been playing quarterback. I um, I was an athlete far before I was any kind of artist. I ended up going to school for acting uh, in college. And I did a lot of that in high school as well. But music was pretty, I was a late bloomer to music. My parents were singers and songwriters. I think that, you know, later in life, it it certainly has helped me uh, see different perspectives. It's really important in football, especially in women's football, because of of what our teams are made up of, which is a bunch of different kinds of people from different backgrounds. and, And they just have really different lives where music helps in that is in leadership. So, you know, when you're writing songs or you're playing to an audience, 
you have to be able to connect with a wide range of people. And as a quarterback and a leader, it's also really important to be able to figure out how to motivate people to do what they need to do to contribute to the team in the way that the team can be successful. So I absolutely think that, uh, especially my two years off just focusing on music and then coming back to it, helped me kind of zoom out a little bit and and see the overall picture in a way that, that I hadn't when I was a little bit more tunnel visioned uh, as a younger player. So, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome because, you know, I didn't really get to play against you a whole lot other than the All-American games and seeing you at camp and stuff. But I always thought that you had the, pre- the precision that Peyton Manny has. And I would get really oh. frustrated when we play against the, the – I guess you guys in the All-American game because they wouldn't ever let us blitz. And I'm like, why am I out here, like, not being able to blitz and just allowing this person, <laughs> like, like just tearing us apart because you're you're so smart and accurate with your passes. But I knew with no pressure, I'm like, oh, crap, okay, here it comes, okay. Uh, but I've always respected you. You're You're very intelligent. You've been a, a really uh, key person for the sport. Um, and I know, you know, because I've heard you play um, musically as well, so I, I think you're you're just as talented in that area. Um, and as you, you move on, you're welcome. And as you move on to the musical side and um, you're, you're looking back from a, a different perspective, what do you think we need to do with a sport to get to the next level? Oh, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big one. Um, I think there's a lot of things that have to happen. For, for the sport to continue to progress. Um, one of those things is I think that we as a whole, those of us who are have been playing for a while and uh, and are involved with the game, to not lose focus on, on the big picture, which is growing the sport. And I think at times, um, you know, we, we all have been a little self-serving at, at times, um, in, you know, wanting to do what's best for our teams individually or do what's best for, for us individually as uh, as players. And and what I mean by that is, you know, I don't know how, how good it is that we continue to expand um, with, with large amounts of teams. You know, I know that there are times where there are differences on teams and then you know, there's, a, there's a group that splits off and creates another team, you know, 30 miles down the road. And uh, and it, it really just waters down the talent level uh, for each individual team. So I think it's really important that we have competitive games because, you know, it was a problem that we had in Chicago when we would play. Uh, this season was the first time that I'd ever experienced two forfeits in one season. Um, and that really hurt us a, a lot because whether we were going to beat those teams by a large margin or not, um, we didn't get – the game time experience and, and rookies need that and, and new players need that. And the team needs that in general to just get used to being in a game situation uh, and, and being preparing mentally because mental reps are just as important as, as the physical ones. And you can't really create, recreate that in a practice. So that was, that was difficult because there were, there were teams that couldn't field the amount of players that they needed to play. And they happened to be in areas that, that had um, teams not so far from them. So that's a big issue. Um, the other the other problem with that is, you know, we have we had fans that were bored of watching us blow out teams 
and um, and or you know watching their team get blown out. So we have to get it competitive again, um, or for the first time. I, I think um, what was nice about the season, I, I, what I, I commend Boston on especially, is that they had a very competitive schedule, and they had several games that were within a touchdown, and that's exciting football to watch, you know. And and the more games that we can have like that with with competitive teams, the better it's going to be for the sport because it's just going to be, it'll be fun to watch and it doesn't look like it's lopsided. Um, I think another thing is, you know, we have to try to figure out funding, not so much, um, not necessarily right away for players, but um, definitely for marketing. Marketing's a, a big piece of it. And, you know, we can't just be sitting around saying, people should watch this. We're important. You know, like that doesn't get the job done. We have to be able to show people um in in a in a high profile way you know as much as the nfl is is a very um elevated game because it's been going on for so long it's also you know it's a production it's it's a television show and there are high tech cameras and and they put it on as a show it's a production with interviews and and all of that and the closer that we can get to to showing the sport in in a way that has great camera work and has great editing um, and has a network in general that it can be shown on, even if it's the internet on the, solely on the internet. Um, We, whatever is attached to us is our brand. And if we put ourselves out there with anything less than at least a good quality, people are going to assume that we don't know what we're doing. It's just going to, it's like going to somebody's website that you're considering to, you know, redo your flooring and they, and all of the links don't work you wouldn't trust them to, to do your flooring because that's their brand now, that they don't get their their stuff done. So I think there's a lot of elements. I mean, I could talk for, for hours about that, but I think those are two big big key um, components. Um, Sammy, let me get Troy in here to get you to see if he wants to. Troy, are you going to ask anything of Sammy? Because we, we only got about six minutes, and then um, she's got to move on and some other stuff that she's got to do, but she gave us the time. Yeah, I just wanted to know since uh, you know we are running short on time, uh, where can we find your music and what are your musical influences? What was the last piece? Uh, what were your musical influences? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can find my music really anywhere on the internet. I'm I'm on Spotify, iTunes, um, on YouTube, uh, everywhere. <laughs> I'm on all the platforms, even the ones that overseas. Um, so if you go to my website, which is my name, SammyGersapi.com, uh, all of my stuff on that. Musically, I've been influenced by pretty much anything you can think of, from uh, Elton John, The Counting Crows, uh, Tupac, uh, Lauryn Hill, like pretty much, pretty much all of it. The Rolling Stones, uh, I listen to a lot of different stuff. I when I was a kid and I still do. And, you know, every year I'm, I feel like I'm getting new influences from, uh, from new artists. Uh, and that's exciting. It's, it's cool to see how music's evolving. I think we're getting back to a, a little bit more of a uh, organic place with it, or it's a little, there's a little bit more integrity in it. It's not, it's a little less auto tune and a little bit more musicianship. And I'm all about that. Cause you know, I've, have really great musicians I get to work with out here and uh 
And so I'm I'm all about uplifting them and the talent that they have, um, and getting to to vibe out on stage, kind of like it's just like playing in a football game. You know, it's a team of people that are creating a a feeling and uh, you know trying to accomplish that together. And so I love that. Sammy, the road in California leads you to more opportunities, so we are like rooting you on to get yourself out there and get your name out there. Uh, it's nice that you're co- uh, collaborating with other other environments as well for sustainability because, you yeah. know, like you say, you're, pr- you're promoting other stuff. So that's even great to hear. And ultimately, you know, women's football, I think, with the tier, the tier system, is going to do great if they stick to it. You know, uh, Arkansas just proved it. They, tw- they take 12 players across the country from Oregon to Pittsburgh, and they win a championship. So that in itself, yeah. if they stick to that – would be good for roster size, as you were talking about with the forfeits and everything else. As long as there, you know, as long as there's a level of play where everybody can strive for a title, I think the, the sport will eventually grow. To your point, Division One played w- really well this year, so that's a key right there. If they can sustain that level of, you know, pressure like Boston versus DC, Boston Pittsburgh, quality games. So, um, Sammy, uh, we're gonna uh, go ahead and give you the plug here. Where can they get you uh, dived in, all the fans, into your website? you got all the links there. What's the website? Uh, SammyGrisafi.com. S as in Sam, A-M-I, Grisafi, G-R-I, safe, like safe at home, S-A-F-E.com. And you can find everything you need to know there, or you could just Google my name because I'm the only Sammy Grisafi that uh, exists. So... That's an easy way to do it too. Um, yeah, and everything you need to know is, is is on that website. Awesome. So we're gonna get the latest stuff. You can get Spotify, get the latest there as well. And then uh, looking forward yep. to a new release you said right coming up with the uh, obviously documentary that you're working on and more music to come, right? Yes. Yeah. So we just released uh, we just released a new song called Brand New Fairy Tale. So it's so the song has been released, but it's a new remix and it's done by a guy uh, named Coil. And he's worked with The Weeknd and Big Sean, and it's a really oh, nice. it's a really great remix. So that's currently on Spotify. All of the other stuff is most likely going to be coming out next early next year, by spring of next year. Because uh, we have to back in the studio. so that we can uh, link it out and obviously share it on our our sites as well, and then, then we can post it on the the women's boards as well, so you can get more attention and more feeds and more trend. Um, so Thank Sammy, you. always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, looking forward to the documentary. Thanks for making the time. Uh, safe travels out there. Thank you. Um, and continued success. We're rooting for you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the uh, awards shows at some point. <laughs> Thank you very much, you guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, you guys have a good night. Thanks, Sammy. Have a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Bye. All right, guys, 90 seconds, Sammy Grisafi, Luis Bean. I think I, I did myself today. What do you think? Good job, so. man, you know. Oh. I don't know. I, I just kind of pat myself on the back. Solid players on there. Two legends. I Two legends. I got, I, I'm like, I, I need ice cream right now. I just need to get a banana split or something <laughs> just to <laughs> smother my face in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, right. You're, you're Holly, allowed, you're um, allowed to cheat day after it's going to be great. Uh, your documentary, we're looking forward to the pieces coming up. Part two is coming up. Part one is on our Facebook page. You can also, Holly, what's the link before we get out of here to, so they can take care, uh, take a look at it? 
It is uh, relentless21.wordpress.com. All right, and Holly Custis will be with us for the NFL season, talking college football as well as Troy Wilson in and out. And so I cannot wait (laughs) for the college football season to start and obviously the NFL season to start. So uh, thanks, you guys, for coming on today. Thanks for all the listeners. Thank you for uh, subscribing to our Apple podcast, as well as right here following us on Block Talk Radio. Uh, for Luis Bean, Sammy Grasoffi for coming on and making the time, Holly Custis, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez saying good night. We'll see you here next week for another edition of the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody. Night.